We're trying a new book this year. You know, I don't think we have actually used this book by Ram Das before as part of our inspiration. And when I talk about Ram Das, most of you are probably going, oh, that's the meditation guy, right? The guy that wrote all those lovely books on meditation. You know, this doesn't have anything to do with meditation. But it is a lovely book. And our theme this month is service and or compassion and or how can we kind of give back to the planet, if you will. And what I love about this book, not only does it have a lot of uh, his inspirational words, but it's one of those books, too, where he interviewed like thousands of people and really got a good spectrum, I would say, of uh, what Americans think about giving back and, and their experiences with uh, compassion and, and giving. And, and, and so it's a, a nice and a well-rounded book. And today we're going to start off by, I think, the most natural idea of service, the most uh, kind of easy form of compassion and service that exists in the world. And Ram Das calls it simply natural compassion, the idea with which we pretty effortlessly just extend our hand to another person when it's necessary and just participate almost without thinking about it to help someone out. And uh, I managed to find, I think, a lovely joke that emphasizes uh, this point. We'll see. You'll be the judge, I guess. So a minister is walking down the street one day when he notices a very small boy trying to press a doorbell on a house across the street. But you know, the boy is very small and the doorbell is very high. So he watches the boy's efforts for a couple of minutes and steps across the street to help. He puts his hand kindly on the child's shoulders, leans over, and gives the doorbell a good solid ring. Crouching down to the child's level, the minister benevolently asks, Okay, what now, little man? To which the boy replies, Now we run! <laughs> <laughs> thought you'd like that. All right. <laughs> and, it, and it does actually illustrate my point really well, because it's that kind of participation with life that really is so sweet. Now, okay, I will, I will admit, you know, maybe one wants to ask first how the, how the help's going to be used occasionally, but the idea of simply going out of someone's way to help a small child or to, to give a meal to someone who doesn't have money for a meal that, way, that day, the idea of perhaps inviting someone into your home that's homeless for a short period of time, or, or you know, even simpler and more fundamental than that, what about the person that just calls you in trouble and simply wants someone to listen? You know, we give in the most amazing, the most natural, and the most non-judgmental ways on this planet. And most of the time, we don't even think about it. There's really no thought involved. We open a door for someone. We offer someone um, some help. We, we give some assistance. We don't even think about it. And you know, maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe that truly is where God is coming through in that non-self-conscious kind of way. Maybe that's part of the beauty of, the, uh, of our ability to give in this way because it requires no conscious thought. It, if there's thought, it's right here, right? It's our heart that's telling us to do it. It's our heart that is making the way open. It is our, our heart that, with which we're communicating with someone else. So we instinctively, I think, act to help in this way. And uh, Ernest Holmes, in a reader on practical wisdom, said, compassion and simple caring are the ties that bind us together in mutual understanding and in the unified attempt to uncover divinity in one another. 
Compassion is the most gentle of all human virtues, for it is the outpouring of the divine in human form. So literally, when we're, when we're doing something for someone else, it is, the, it is the divine in us accomplishing that. It is the God within each one of us that's reaching out. So why is it then that every now and then our natural compassionate natures are kind of thwarted? Have you ever been in a situation where your, your natural urge was to help in some way, but you ended up not actually following through? And I, I want to use an, an example I think that might sound familiar to you all. So um, if you go up here and make a right turn on uh, Alberta Street and go to the freeway and go to get on the freeway, at least if it's Monday through Friday, and at least if it's about 4 o'clock, there will be someone there, uh, sometimes a different person, but often even the same fellow with a sign that says, homeless vet, anything will help. Okay, all of you are looking like deers in the headlights now. <laughs> because doesn't it often cause us to start not just with our heart, but our head comes into play. The first thing that I think, and you know, it, it's like, help me from this, please, but about 25 years ago, and I swear it was that long ago, they interviewed someone on television, and I'm pretty sure it was in Santa Monica, California, and this fellow made $30,000 a year by panhandling. And they showed the beautiful house that he lived in and that he was putting you know, one of his children through private school. And you know, I don't even know if this was true. I absolutely remember seeing it on TV like 30 years ago. And to this day, I'm ashamed to say that when I see someone with a sign like that, the thought crosses my head. Do they really need this money? Or is this sort of how they make their living? But do I stop there? Oh, no, I make it much worse than that. Because then I think, no, honestly, my mind is a tortured place some days. And, and when confronted with someone panhandling or, or someone with one of those signs, I got to tell you, my mind is not clear on this matter. Because the next thing I think is, well, yeah, I have $5 in my, ba in my pocket, but if I give it to him, how do I know that he's not going to use it to, and you fill in the blank, Right? You know, get some marijuana, get a bottle of gin, you know, you know what, whatever, whatever it is. So then that's the second thought that I have. Sad being me, isn't it? But wait, there's even more. <laughs> there's even more. Because then the third thought that I have is, I have $5 in my pocket, but you know, I can't afford to help out everyone that I run across, Right? I do a fair amount of work uh, downtown now and then and other places, and if I really counted up all of the people in need that I run across, you know, conceivably, if at $5 pop, this could be like $100 a day. And um, I mean, you know, I feel, I feel rich, but <laughs> it doesn't always reflect it in my pocketbook. So these are the thoughts that go through my head sometimes. And this is not pleasant. Because what I know is that we are here to help one another. We are here to show compassion, and it's natural. And when I have that, you know, you know, the very first thing that comes to me when I'm in that situation is the urge to be compassionate. And that comes from right here. And what I have learned for myself is in issues of the heart, I need to follow it first. 
So in this particular situation, it's up here that needs the correcting, right? It isn't down here. It isn't that I need to become more clever at taking a route where I don't pass by that guy. <laughs> Although there might be people that would do that. I, I, that. That would cross me too badly. And it isn't that I just need to pull up just so that I don't actually see him because there's that place where the two windows come together. <laughs> and, if you pull up, and if you pull up just right... You don't even see him, even though you're right there and he's right there. So I know those are two of the things I'm not going to do. But how am I going to solve this problem? Because I think that I owe it to myself to extend that hand of compassion somehow. And what I also know about compassion is that when I extend that hand and I do it from a place of non-judgment and a place of freedom, it not only is useful to the other person, but what? It is beautiful. It makes me feel lovely. It makes me feel more alive. It makes me feel more of why I'm on this planet, to be of service. So how do I puzzle my way through this? Well, first of all, I think some of these issues can simply be addressed on the level with which they are created. And, you know, shame on whatever TV program put that thing on 30 years ago, because I don't believe it. And what I know about my own mind is that I can weed out some of those thoughts that don't serve me. So that's where I'm going with the first one. I do not believe that there is a person you know, on, on the curb four blocks from here that's making $40,000 a year with a sign that says homeless vet. I mean, I just don't believe that. And so I can let go, I can absolutely let go of the thought that people are making money, I mean like, like real money, panhandling, because who would do that? Who would live that way on purpose? So that one, I think I can just weed out, just in the same way that we're going to do some weeding after service today outside. I'm going to just weed that out, because it doesn't serve me, and it gets in the way of my heart being compassionate. Okay. What about the next one, though? What about the thought of, well, I give him $5 and, like, you know, next up is a bottle of wine or something, right? Well, I would make two cases here. One is that I could just give that one up as well. Because what I know is that God is here to serve all. And there may indeed be a person here or there that would use that money for some purpose that I would think would be funky. But on the other hand, this is probably a rarity, and why would I just not give up on that as well? But I got to tell you, you know, there's a little part of me that wants to control life. <laughs> Sharon's smiling. Yeah, she knows that part of me. <laughs> and so I've come up with another solution to that one. What if I have some gift cards in the car? If I want to make sure they're using it for food, no problem. I can be foresighted enough to go to, to Danny's or, um, you know, one of the sort of, sort of better restaurants that are at the low end of things and get some $5 gift certificates. I mean, it's as easy as pie. Have them in the glove compartment. It's like no sweat. Now, my hope is that someday I'll even be able to give that up because I really think the answer here is... You know, they're participating with God. They can use a little money right now. They're going to figure out the right way to use it for the best and the highest. That is where I'm headed. And for right now, I'm going to buy a few gift cards because I'm, I'm not quite elevated enough in my own thinking to quite be able to give that freely. But I'm headed in that direction. And I hope if we ever do this Sunday talk again, maybe next year or the year after, I'll be able to say, yeah, I gave that one up too. Okay, and what about the third one? The idea, well, if I give $5 to this person, 
you know, what's going to happen? I'll, I'll end up poor. Well, first of all, I don't think anyone gets poor out of compassion. And second of all, I have my free will. When I don't have $5 in my pocket, I just say, I don't have $5 in my pocket. Life goes on. The next person will help, right? Part of your homework this week, and, and I can, again, you're looking a little deer in the headlight like, but part of your homework this week, I implore you, is to be able to find ways that when your heart says, I would like to pitch in, that you can actually do it. And I know that in most ways you do, right? When that phone call comes and someone needs to really, just a, a good listener on the other end, you're there for them. When someone in your family calls and, and needs a helping hand, you're there for them. When someone's carrying a bunch of things into, the, into their house, you know, you'll open the door for them. I, I know you're there nine times out of ten. And what I'm suggesting is look at that tenth time. The time when your heart would say yes... But like me, your mind is dreaming up the reasons why you shouldn't. So that's a little bit of homework for you this week. Find those places where your heart would say yes and your mind is giving you the complications. The other thing I wanted to say on this subject doesn't come from Ram Das at all. It actually comes from um, ancient Jewish tradition. Uh, are any of you familiar with the, the Jewish term mitzvah? Okay, several of you are. That's exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? The idea of doing small acts, that, that idea of small random acts of love and kindness to people, that's what a mitzvah is. Nothing grand, nothing bizarrely difficult to do. It really is holding the door open from people and, and giving someone a handout when they need it, giving someone a ride that, that, that doesn't have money for the bus, you know, whatever it is. Those are mitzvahs. And the, the ancient Lurianic Kabbalah says about a mitzvah is that it absolutely is part of God finding itself. So um, the, the story goes in, in ancient, um, in ancient um, uh, the ancient creation myth is that God, named Ein Sof, attempted to fill a vessel that it had created to represent the entire universe. So picture, if you will, God creating a, a vessel like an earthen jar that is meant to contain the entire universe. And then God was to fill it, Ein Sof was to fill it with its divine energy and light, thus making the creation. Well, the trouble is, Ein Sof hadn't really done this before. This was the first act of grand creation, and the jar unexpectedly broke. So tiny pieces of the vessel, like shards of glass, were scattered, and they actually brought chaos into the universe. When the shards of the vessel began to fall, they also, however, brought them sparks of Ein Sof's life. And together the shards and the sparks fell into what would become our human universe. Lurianic Kabbalah requires that every human being is available to participate in gathering up those shards of life. And the idea is that is how the universe and the goodness of it is knitted back together. So as we're doing mitzvahs, as we're doing small kindnesses to each other, we are really gluing the universe back together the way it was meant to be, which is such a lovely term. And isn't that what you feel when you do it? It feels like that. 
When you help someone out, when you're really there for a loved one who is in trouble, when you're really available and present for someone that's struggling, or even just doing a minor kindness, like uh, helping someone change a tire that you don't know. Or uh, I remember last winter, uh, for, for whatever reason, a couple people on my street were having car trouble. Just you know, giving someone a jump start or something simple like that, you are knitting the universe back together in love. And it feels like it. Well, I want to close today um, with a quote from um, the Ram Dass book. But before I do that, I just want to submit our idea of homework once again. So where in your life is your heart wanting to give out, but your mind's getting kind of in the way? It's coming up with the, well, what about, and what if, and what if they don't do this, or, or what if they refuse my help? And I say, let's figure out ways to put those things aside and really come from the heart. So where does your natural compassion lead you? And what fears or ideas limit you from helping in that way? And then how can we change our mind about it? How can we really show up from that place of love, that place of compassion, show up and and be that mitzvah, be that idea of of integration with love back into the universe again. So here is how Ram Das talks about it. He says, Here then is a path we can follow. And with the testimony of others like us who are facing these essential questions in our own daily lives, we can seek to identify certain basic inner obstacles to the expression of our natural compassion. And as the hold of these obstructions lessens, then our generosity will flow more spontaneously, more effortlessly. Compassion will come forth as needed and as appropriate simply because it is the human nature to do so. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. And what I know about life is that it is ever-giving, It is God's good nature to give us all. And this givingness, of course, takes the form of people, places, of things, of mitzvahs. And I know it's true in general, and therefore I know it's true about me. I know that my heart is absolutely opening to the idea of being as giving as I can, as compassionate as as I can, as loving as I can to people I know and even to people that I don't know. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this world that the heart is opening, that life is good, and our experience of goodness of life, we extend as a hand to others without overthinking it, without misconstruing it, without worrying about it, simply the gift of compassion. And so I am grateful in the sure knowledge that each person's here heart is opened ever more slightly to the idea of compassionate giving. That each person here is um, willing and able to root out any mental reasons um, or, or, or doubts around it. Coming to the conclusion that life is good and can be celebrated by sharing. And so with much love, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself, knowing that it's good, knowing that it's fine, knowing that life succeeds. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So thank you for being here today. Thanks very much.